1: This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick
0: Cavins. Boy, I wish some of you saw the behind the scenes action before we actually started today's podcast. Greg Bedard's headphones driving him ever loving crazy. Uh, I was afraid I was afraid he was going to move some furniture today. But here we are. Uh, We got to talk about the AFC. We got to talk about this Tennessee game coming up on Sunday, of course. Uh, Turkey Day coming up in just a couple of days. Uh, Let's start with the Patriots, Greg. They've won five straight games. They're now seven and four. They are now the uh, number one team in the AFC when you look at the standings in the East. Uh, They leapfrogged Buffalo over the weekend. Uh, Let's look at the top three reasons why you think the Patriots have won five straight. And let's start with the guy at the top, Bill Belichick.
1: Yeah, for me, Nick, it, it, it starts with the way Belichick took over. For the defense uh, after the Dallas game. I, I mean, we don't have quote-unquote direct evidence. Like, you know, Bill's not going to come out and say that he did it or anything like that. But watching the way that the team has played, watching how basically between every series, Belichick is just over on the defensive sideline. Basically, he's devouring the photographs. He's talking to Mayo. He's talking to Devin McCourty. He's basically telling these guys, you're going to do X, Y, and Z. And to me, that's been the biggest difference. I mean, Nick, you probably see it too. I mean, night and day from third and 25. And I got to tell you, um, I don't think I've talked about this before, but after that game, in the aftermath of that game, um, I heard that there was a lot of, uh, how would I term this? Um, Let's just say consternation. Uh, about the third and 25 call about them giving up 24 yards on, on third and 25, which basically lost the game for them. And um, you know, I think that I, I don't think that anything that Bill did was as a result of that. I think that Bill was going to do what he was going to do in any event, but I do think that, that, that call, that play, that game sort of was the demarcation line for this team because, Suddenly, since then, we have seen the defense that we thought we were going to see uh, from the beginning of the season. Now, it's looked different than we thought. You know, would they – you know, uh, Stefan Gilmore was traded. They lost Jonathan Jones. They have gone down. Now they are about a 70% zone team, which will be interesting to see if that holds up down the stretch, you know, as teams have more film on the Patriots and know what they're doing. Uh, but in my mind, there is – that game, the Dallas game, and the defensive changes after that have been the biggest reason why this season has turned around.
0: Greg, does that still happen if this is a veteran defensive coordinator? If this isn't Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo, does Belichick feel as comfortable to step in and say, I'm taking things over now. We're going to go off of my word on the sidelines and you're going to run what I want to run, would that have still been the same thing if it was a, you know, a Dean Pease or somebody else, even a Matt Patricia, or would Belichick be more open to give those guys leeway because of their experience?
1: That's a good question, Nick. And, you know, I I think my answer would be um, yes, that I think we've seen this from Bill in previous years um, with different units. He'll get involved if he needs to, you know, from, even the offensive line, he will get, he will take a heavier hand, but you know, offensively, if, you know, I don't think there's been any real issues there, whether it's, you know, Josh McDaniels or Bill O'Brien or what have you, you know, maybe the early days of Bill O'Brien. I mean, Bill was basically the de facto offensive coordinator in the early days of Bill O'Brien and, uh, you know, probably helped out after Charlie Weiss went to Notre Dame as well. Uh, you know, my my feeling is that, yes, Bill will do whatever is necessary if he gets to a certain point and he's like, all right, enough is enough. I'm taking a heavier hand with this unit or this side of the ball. He will do it. And I think like, say, if it was Brian Flores, let's just say, for example, if it was Brian Flores in that position, would he have stepped in? Yeah, I think
0: he would have. All right. Good answer. Uh, of course, we talk about the defense getting to the level that we kind of expected them to be at maybe a little bit earlier this year. Feel the same way about the offensive line, Greg. And as your second reason why the Pats have won five straight, it is that O-line. Yeah,
1: we that was the one unit that Nick, you and I would talk about, you know, basically game after game on what's going on, because, you know, we started this season saying like, all right, what's going to be the identity of this team? It's going to be uh, it's going to be the defense, and it's going to be the offensive line and the running game, and everything's going to go off that. That's why we feel good about a rookie quarterback starting for them and, and, and all that stuff. And like the defense, it didn't start that way. And uh, you can look at different reasons. Um, certainly Trent Brown's injury in the first series, in the first game of the season, did not help. Uh, but there were other issues. And from talking to people around the team, they thought that some of the guys on the offensive line were not ready to go, or as ready to go as they should have been for this season, and they thought that that was a reason why it was a slow start. They did not think it was the coaching. They did not think it was Cole Popovich not being there for you know whatever reason, or Karn Brasillo not being up to the job. The people I talked to said no, that's not the case. It's on the players. They weren't ready to go, and I do think that. You know, some of the injury issues and some of the things went on, specifically Trent Brown. And and man, it seems like two seasons ago when like Yassir Durant and Justin Heron <laughs> were playing uh, offensive tackle for this team. But they had to go through a lot of things. That's not unusual that teams have to go through trial and error to find out the right unit. But I think we learned that Michael Wenu is uh, not a great guard at this point in time. And really, I think it was almost they happened on it by accident that there were a bunch of injuries where even David Andrews was down. So James Ferentz had to go to center and that put Ted Karras in at, at left guard. And suddenly they looked at the film and they were like, you know what? This looks pretty good. And Ted's toughness and physicality matches. He's not the greatest athlete in the world, but he brings us a lot with smarts and toughness that we kind of like that. And. Unfortunately, a win who has gone to the bench with Trent Brown back and being very effective, but uh, the offensive line just in general settling down, starting to own the trenches there has been another huge reason for the turnaround.
0: Could you see any more possible changes happening up front, or as long as they continue to play the way they've played for the most part over the past few weeks, this is going to stay as the unit?
1: So we we got the assistant coaches yesterday and uh Brasillo talked, and he was asked about Awenu a lot. And while he left open the possibility that, you know, this season is not over for Wenu, it sure seemed like they they like the group that they have right now. We talked up Ted Karras. So to me, it seems like they're going with this group. Basically, they're going with the, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type of thing. So unless somebody exposes Ted Karras or something like that in the games upcoming, I think this is the group for now.
0: Your third reason why the Patriots have won five straight has to do with not one, but two defensive guys, Matthew Judon, who's been a beast, Christian Barmore, who seemingly gets better every single week.
1: Yeah, Judon and Barmore for me, I mean, the development or or the emergence of them as a duo, as an inside-outside sort of pass rushing duo has, to me, it's changed the dynamic of the defense and sort of how teams look at blocking them. And it's amazing, Nick, that Judon is doing what he's doing week after week, and teams are not – You know, they're not game planning towards him, and that could be a Barmore effect. It could be, you know, the rest of the guys that they have in the front seven where they're like, well, we can't put too many resources to Judon because then we're screwed if Hightower comes or Barmore is going to do this or what have you. Um, So I think that Judon, without question, has made a big difference, uh, a huge difference, and it'll be interesting to see how the better teams. Um, the Titans, the Colts, the Bills, how they deal with him, because that if I was game planning against the Patriots, the first thing I would do is, all right, we are eliminating Matt Judon from this game. That's, that's goal number one. Right. Everything else is secondary. And then, you know, Barmore got off to, uh, once he was on the field consistently in training camp, got off to a great start, um, was really good in camp, good in the preseason, started the season well. But he just... He just keeps getting better and better and he's showing football IQ that I think a lot of people around the league think or didn't think he was quite ready for uh, coming into the league. Um, to me he is a very smart player on tape and and there's a lot of evidence of that uh, including that that one you know boot action uh, play that I think he had against the Chargers or I forget which team it was but in any event, he's done a great job and I think with those two guys, It makes it hard to game plan for the Patriots, but I do think that, you know, all of this stuff, as far as the pressure that they're generating, it'll be interesting to see how somebody like Frank Reich game plans against the Patriots once he sees them on film. Because some of this stuff has developed over time this season, uh, specifically like, you know, the secondary coverages, the zones and things like that. And there's more film on them now where I think they, you know, they basically switched. Everybody prepared for the Patriots coming into the season to be a man to man team. That's what they do. They probably figure Stefan Gilmore's coming back, what have you. And maybe some of the game plans that they had ready in the offseason for the Patriots, or at least pieces of it, uh, no, no longer
0: are applicable.
1: And it'll be interesting to see which teams make what adjustments
0: uh, down the stretch here. All right, so you brought up better teams, and let's talk about better teams. Let's talk about ranking the top five AFC teams. Where we think these teams will finish by the end of the season – uh, Greg, who is your number one team in the AFC by the end of the year?
1: I think I'm going to go with Kansas City until proven otherwise. Uh, I, I think that um, they've righted the ship um, a bit defend- – well, not a bit, a lot, because they were off awful defensively. Um, <laughs> they have now wisely put Daniel Sorensen that – terrible safety into more of a specialized role and taking him off the field because teams were just torching that guy and I never understood that um and I'm not going to go overboard with you know their four game winning streak just like the Patriots and their five game winning streak I mean you know they beat the Giants they beat the Packers without Aaron Rodgers the Raiders are sort of in a free fall a bit um you know and the Cowboys didn't have a bunch of guys so I think the Kansas City Chiefs have been a little bit lucky themselves in the ter- in, in terms of who they played, but they're on the bye week this week. They get rested. I don't think that they have an overly difficult schedule down yeah, let's, the stretch. Well, let's, um, go,
0: let's go over it quick. I'll just give you yep. the run of games that's left on their schedule. Uh, they got the bye week, as you mentioned. They've got Denver. That game's in Kansas City. They've got Vegas and Kansas City, so back-to-back division games at home. Then they go out to play the Chargers in L.A. Then they've got Pittsburgh back in Kansas City. Then they finish the year with two road games at Cincinnati and at Denver.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't – look, none of those – and I don't think – I think one thing we've learned about the NFL this year, Nick, is that anything can happen and anybody can beat anybody because I don't think there are any really great teams in the league, certainly not in the AFC. Um, You could argue about some of – that's probably the top five strongest teams are in the NFC. Uh, But, you know, in in divisional games are always tough. Um, You know, the Chargers will be tough, the Steelers – you know, look like they you know, they have some remnants of who they are a little bit. The Bengals are decent, and the, they play the Broncos twice. They're are no slouches. The, the Broncos, especially defensively, with Vic Fangio, um, you know, they've done some things. So to me, I, I and I think look, Patrick Mahomes is not Mahomes yet. Do we know he's going to get there? No, but I I have the feeling that at some point he's going to figure it out. They're going to figure out a different way to move forward. They were definitely throwing a curveball by the way teams played them this year. It's taken them a while to adjust, but I think they will adjust better as the uh, as the season goes along.
0: All right, your second team in the AFC by the end of the year is actually Indianapolis. Let me quickly run through the schedule and you tell us why you think Indy will be number two. Uh, they play Tampa Bay. That game is in Indianapolis, so a tough game. Then they play at Houston. Should be Cupcake City there. They have the bye week. Then they host New England, and then they finish their season with at Arizona, tough game, home game against Vegas. And as you said, they're falling off a cliff. And then their last game of the season is at Jacksonville.
1: Yeah, I think that one's going to be close. I think it's going to be neck and neck between Indy and the Patriots. I just think, um, you know, the game being in Indianapolis, it's going to be the first, you know, really big game there in a while. I think uh, I think that's going to be a tough chore for the Patriots, even though they've been what five and zero on the road so far this year. Um, I just I like Indy in that game. I think uh, I think they will be favored in that game. I think they should slightly. I think it's going to be a great game. It could go either way. Um, I, I don't love Carson Wentz. No, I do not. And this might be this might be the last time I ever trust him to do anything. But I just think that. I like Indy in that game, and so I basically I basically decided that on that one game alone, even though you're right, you know, Tampa and Arizona, those are tough games for them to win. So they almost have to win the Patriots game.
0: Yeah, I've got Casey as one like you do. I've got New England too. I've got Indy three. Let's jump to the Patriots. Uh, we don't have to spend a ton of time on them because we know what we just broke down. But uh, the schedule, obviously, they've got Tennessee this weekend at Gillette. Then they play at Buffalo, Monday Night Football, bye week, then at Indy, then back home for Buffalo and Jacksonville, and they finish at Miami. Yeah, I think the the Patriots, as we've talked
1: about, I still think there are a lot of questions um, that w- there's still a lot of things that we need to learn about this team. Uh, they look good. They look like team that we thought they were going to be from the beginning of the season. And they're getting efficient quarterback play, which we also thought we were going to get uh, from the beginning of the season. But, you know, we have never seen a lot of these guys under pressure, you know. And and from over the years, Patriots become Patriots because of the way they perform in December and January and things like that. And we there's much we don't know about any of these guys. How do they perform under pressure? You know, how is this team going to react when they're behind? Um, How's Mac Jones going to react? How does he play in the cold? How does he play in the elements? You know, not that I think he's going to have any issues. I mean, Brett Favre was from Kiln, Mississippi, went to Southern Mississippi, and he was one of the best cold weather quarterbacks you've ever seen. Of course, he had humongous hands, which helps. Um, but uh, the Patriots, I—it's all on this four-game stretch. I mean, we'll we'll know so much more about them from this. You know the. Not only the Titans and the Colts, but those two Bills games. I mean, it it looks great today. And one thing I want to caution people on, and one thing we've learned from this year, it might look great today. In four weeks, everything might look entirely different. And, you know, if the Bills take care of business, look, they swept you guys just last year. Yes, they should have won the game in Buffalo if Cam Newton doesn't get the ball punched out. But um, until proven otherwise, the Bills are the best team in the in the division. And now it's up to the Patriots to go and, and deliver a blow. And it's, you know, it's a tough break for the Patriots that the first game between the two teams is Monday night in Buffalo. We don't know what kind of weather we're going to get in that game. And if the, if the bills get that game for whatever reason, you know, maybe things start a little bit, start to look a little bit different, but I, I, you know, I like where the Patriots are. I think they'll do well. I just, there's there's a lot I don't – I don't we don't have much history with them, and so it's, it's tough to say definitively what's going to happen.
0: The way I look at it is I agree with you the next four games, and I think everybody would agree with that. It's just a huge part of the schedule. Split. You know, if you split, you go two and two. You're nine and six looking at Jacksonville and Miami. You have a great shot at finishing 11 and six, and I think 11 and six gets you the division. So if they get a split out of the next four, I still feel pretty good about where they're going to finish up. Uh, The next team on your list is Baltimore, and man, oh, man, uh, Baltimore has quite the schedule over the final six weeks or so. Uh, They play Cleveland. That game is in Baltimore. Uh, They play at Pittsburgh. Then they play at Cleveland. Then they play Green Bay in Baltimore. Then they play at Cincinnati, and then they play the Rams at the end of the year in Baltimore. That is a crazy schedule, Greg yeah and, and and now looking at it I probably have them too high I think
1: if I I should probably swap Buffalo and Baltimore but then again Buffalo has New England twice down the stretch I mean that's that's a really tough uh really tough road for the Ravens but we'll know that they'll be battle tested if they emerge out of it it could be one of those typical Ravens teams that uh got beat up in their own division uh, but uh, and also they had to play the I think they had to play the uh, – yeah, they had to play the NFC – no, 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 it's just the Rams. I thought they had to play. – they played the AFC, NFC North. They did yes. not play the NFC West. But, I mean, the Rams and the Packers, you could argue, make an argument that those are two of the best teams, if not the best teams, at least talent-wise. The Rams are still putting it together with their new additions, but in the league. And so we know the Rams will be uh, – the Ravens will be battle-tested by the time we get to the postseason season. Are they going to be good enough? I don't know. There's still a lot of stuff going on with Lamar Jackson, and and they, they are somewhat easy to defend still. But, uh, yeah, that's a really tough road.
0: Yeah, I, I've got uh, Buffalo ahead of Baltimore, but you've got Buffalo as the fifth team on your list, and they have a tough schedule. They've got to play at the Saints. They've got to play at the Patriots. We've talked about it, Monday Night Football. Then they play at Tampa against Tom Brady and company. Then they play back in Buffalo against Carolina. Carolina is still in it. Uh, then they have to play at New England, and they finish the year with the Cupcake Falcons in Buffalo. But, you know, that one, two, three, four, five-game stretch of New Orleans, New England, Tampa, Carolina, New England, its pretty brutal for Josh Allen.
1: Yeah, and they're not clicking. Right now they're even – they're like searching for themselves. They don't know what to do. Yep. They got completely exposed by the by the Colts on their own home field, uh, just embarrassed. And so uh, this is not a good time. This is not a good stretch in your schedule, Nick, to be looking for yourself as a team. That's why it's great to be in the Patriots position because they found who they are and they know who they are and they know how how they have to play to be successful. And the Bills are, at this point, they're probably questioning everything. Like, you know, are they are they a tough enough football team? You know, are they too finesse? And that goes on both sides of the ball because coming into the Colts game, they were viewed as, you know, the best defense in the league. Josh Allen is, was on the fringe of the MVP. And then all of a sudden that game happens and they got exposed as a defense and Josh Allen looks as shaky as ever in a big spot. So, you know, talk about, you know, proving stretches. I mean, this the next five games for the Bills are just, you know, outrageous. And look, I would not be surprised if they go 0-5, maybe one and four in, in in that stretch. It's it's that brutal and they are and it's hitting them at the worst time.
0: Yeah. And if you look at it, there's good news, bad news about New Orleans, right? The bad news is that game's on Turkey Day. So as you mentioned, you know, you're trying to find yourself right now and you've got to play on Sunday where you just got boat raced by Indianapolis short week, head down to New Orleans to play the Saints and the Saints defense, you know, that's that defense can play pretty good football when it wants to. So it's a short week. But the the good news for them is off of that game they have they then have New England on Monday night. So they have that long long week and a half or so to prepare for the Patriots. But the next 5 games for Buffalo, that as we talked about, it's going to be rough. All right, let's look at uh, Sunday's game coming up. Patriots Titans of course. Uh, You got your turkey in the middle of the week here, and then you kind of settle down, and you look forward to uh, this game on Sunday. Uh, At Gillette, 1 o'clock kickoff. And the Titans, without Derrick Henry, Greg, uh, obviously a different offense. Ryan Tannehill had a brutal game on Sunday. They moved the ball against Houston really well, which, as we know, isn't difficult. Houston's not very good. But they were able to move the football against Houston. But Tannehill had four interceptions. And of course, they also had another turnover as well. So they were minus five on the day. That's how you lose against the Texans at home as you turn the football over five times. Your thoughts about Tannehill with no Derrick Henry?
1: Yeah, it's tough. I've never been the biggest Tannehill guy. Even going back to Miami, and even when he had that you know one really good season under Gase before he got the, I think he tore his ACL that season. Uh, I've never been a big Tannehill guy. He's he's another one of these quarterbacks where. Uh, they look really good when everything is good around them, that there are a lot of pieces, including, you know, he didn't really take off until he had a guy like Derrick Henry. And to, hey, he needs a running game to play off of. And look, so does Mac Jones. So do a lot of quarterbacks. Um, the elite elite guys don't, but, you know, everybody else does. And we saw it last week. We see it at times, you know, when their running game is shut down, uh, he he has a tough time. He starts staring people down. He starts forcing the ball. Um, you know, to me, this game is going to come down to, like, what kind of game is it? Uh, can the Titans are going to want to muck this thing up. They are going to want to make it a street fight, scrap, yep. Yep. in the teens, that sort of game where it's field position and taking care of the football. And, and you know, I like, you know, even without Henry, I mean, I like Deontay Foreman. Um, as a running back, I like their their offensive line is decent. I think that you know Brewer at right guard is is brutal. We don't know what the deal is with AJ Brown. He had the rib injury. Um, apparently, it's not serious, and he should be able to play. But how effective is he going to be? They lost another quarter uh, wide receiver in uh, in Marcus Johnson. Can he be back? Furkser is decent as a tight end. You have the Janu Smith revenge game factor. Uh, great secondary, uh, still I, I tough defense, and they'll know how to play the Patriots, similar to Dean Peace uh, with the Falcons. Um, they'll be able to hit on some things, and so it's if you're the Patriots, you want to you you want to put up as many points as possible because the Titans will not be able to keep up with you. Don't get into a street fight with them try to stay out of that and and play your game, but also try to hit on some big plays because I don't think the Titans are capable of of holding up.
0: All right, so Tannehill offensively, just a couple of things. He's forcing the football to A.J. Brown a ton, and he's becoming very predictable. So if that pattern continues on Sunday, I think the Patriots will have opportunities to turn him over. Uh, The play-action game, I saw Evan Lazar tweet about this earlier this week, and he does a great job. Uh, The play action game is about three yards less per attempt uh, without Henry than it was with Henry. So they're they're not getting those chunks with Henry out there in the play action game. And the play action game is huge for Tannehill. So if you limit the play action, he's going to have a tough time. Julio Jones has been MIA most of the season. Uh, I, I want to give credit to Greg. He watched the film when we were talking about the Jones possible Patriots thing in the off season, Greg said, look, he doesn't look like the same guy. He doesn't look necessarily healthy. He's been unable to stay on the field and it's rather obvious Atlanta knew what they were doing when they traded him. Now yep. maybe he'll have a big end of the season and this whole narrative will change, but so far he's been pretty much for all intents and purposes, useless to this offense. It's all about the defense, Greg, for Tennessee uh, Jeffrey Simmons dominated the Rams game a couple of weeks ago in the first half. He was a one-man wrecking ball, uh, looking like Christian Barmore times two. Uh, Stafford had a couple of ugly picks early in that game. Tennessee held on, and then even though you know, even though they lost to Houston on Sunday, again that was turnovers. Their defense mm-hmm. held Tyrod Taylor and the Texans to 190 total yards. So this defense has been playing at a high level. Their defensive line is pretty damn good, uh, especially Simmons in the middle. Their run defense, if you look at it, is top 10 in everything. And so it it could be a case of, well, teams don't want to run against them or teams feel like they're susceptible in the passing game. If you look at the play percentage calls, teams are throwing the football like almost two-thirds of the time against this defense. Now, again, is it because they're afraid to run against them or is it because they see some softness in that secondary Kevin Byard's one of the best safeties yep. in the league. Uh so they they've got some talented guys on the back end. It's all defense, 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 which leads us to the game pick. Uh New England right now is minus six and a half, Greg. Your thoughts on that? Yeah,
1: that the the line jumped from I think it opened at minus two, and now it's now it's up to six and a half. And and one thing we should also point out, and and I don't they haven't practiced yet, so we're not sure. But Harold Landry. The BC guy, outside linebacker, pass rusher, did not play last week. Maybe that makes him more likely to play this week. He is certainly – you put him together with Simmons, you know, it's sort of like the Judon Barmore type of thing with the Patriots. It, it makes them much more formidable up front, and, and it's tougher to block. Uh to me, I, I think I think this line is a bit of an overreaction to last week. Um, how good the Patriots are playing, Titans losing again to a terrible team, Jets earlier in the season, um, and it doesn't look good for the Titans. But this is Mike Vrabel coming back. This is Ryan Tannehill is going against. It's a familiar opponent for them, uh, whereas um, you know I, I think I think with 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 some games if you go up against guys you're not prepared for, or look, the Titans play down the teams. Every other team does this. The Patriots don't, I give them credit. Um, but you're going to, it's like Baltimore in previous years, they have some really crappy losses where you're just like, what the hell are they doing? But you know, when you're the Patriots and you're on top and they're back on top, you're going to get everybody's best shot. You know, forget about what they do against the Texans or whoever, you're going to get their best shot. They're going to gear up. They're going to prepare more because it's Bill Belichick. It's the Patriots. They're going to be ready. Tannehill's used to um, facing this team. They came in here and dominated the Patriots in the postseason in 2019. Uh, it's Mike Vrabel. He's going to have some stuff for the Patriots that's going to make Bill Sanders breath like God damn Vrabel, God son of a. And so for that reason, I'm I'm. I, I'm taking the Titans and the points. I, I am not, I don't think the Titans are going to win. I think the Patriots are going to win. I think they'll win by three, but I'm not giving the six and a half.
0: I think six and a half is a heavy number. And uh, I'm not comfortable laying six and a half against this Tennessee defense. Look, I'm not afraid of Ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he's going to play very well on Sunday. You're harking back to the playoff game when he had Derek Henry, what the Patriots did to him defensively, he was terrible in that game. Literally one of the worst playoff performances by a quarterback that you will ever see. Uh, I'm not concerned about Tannehill in, in the two games without Henry before last week, when they moved the football against the bad Texans defense, he averaged somewhere around 175 passing yards. Granted it was against the Rams. And I think it was the saints, two good defenses, but the Patriots have a good defense. So Uh, You know, he struggles to hit 200 yards without Derrick Henry uh, against good defenses. I would not be surprised if he struggles to hit 200 yards on Sunday. Not afraid of this offense, but huge, huge test for Mac Jones. Tennessee, I do think they can do some good things against the New England run game. If they limit that run game, this is going to be Mac versus Vrabel. And Vrabel's familiarity, much like we saw with Pease, you know, I think with this defense, with Vrabel, it's going to come down to a couple of crucial plays by Mac. I think he makes enough plays for the Patriots to win this game. But I feel, you know, the same way you do, I would not be super duper uber confident in laying six and a half. So I'll take the Pats to win, but I don't think they cover. I think Tennessee does muck this thing up and make it ugly. Let's get to the uh, BostonSportJournal.com member question of the day. Check them out at BSJ39.99 on the annual plan. Not only do you get top-notch analysis of all the Boston pro sports, including the hot Boston Celtics, baby. That's right. <laughs> Tatum, 30-plus in four straight games. Uh, a membership also gives you access to a ton of video analysis, Bedard does on the coaches' film, and direct access to him in weekly chats. Again, it's bostonsportsjournal.com, $39.99 on their annual plan. Uh, Greg, the member question of the day, what do you got? Yeah. And by the way, make
1: sure you check out Cyber Monday. We'll have our annual deal on there. So if you've been on the fence our podcast listeners who have just been, uh, you know, mooching off the uh, intelligence gathered from the podcast and haven't jumped on the BSJ, this is your chance. Check us out on Cyber Monday for for the deal there. Uh, MPCSR67 said, I'd like your take on the locker room culture. NBC My sense is the Patriots gone. have a strong locker room, which is surprising given all the new and experienced players brought in last season in the offseason. is the culture any better or worse than the past several years related is the locker room camaraderie overrated. Uh, I, I would agree with the, the sentiment in this, this uh, question that the locker room seems really good. These guys really seem to enjoy each other. They seem closer than most sort of professional teams. Uh, There's a couple reasons for that, and I think we talked about this at the time. And once the Patriots did what they did in free agency, you know, I called around the league and asked about these guys, all of them, what kind of teammates they were, stuff like that. And the Patriots, to their credit, you know, look, we know the Patriots had this huge checkbook that they could sign anybody. And they went out and they did a lot of research. They did a lot of research on, you know, what kind of locker room guys they were, what kind of teammates were they going to be. And we talked about the time. I gave them a lot of credit that all these guys checked out. They all checked out across the board in terms of what they were going to bring to the team in the locker room, but also on the field. So I do think that is a it's a it's a big factor, but I wouldn't say it's the it's it's a top factor in why they're doing what they're doing. I said, you know, look, let's be honest. Last year's team didn't have any talent they weren't talented you know they upgraded a quarterback you know all sorts of different areas they spent a lot of money they upgraded as far as talent they brought back guys Kyle Van Noy Lawrence Guy you know of course the free agent class that they had the draft this team is just a lot more talented so while i do think locker room camaraderie and all that stuff is important it's more important to be talented in this league and i think the patriots have struck a great mix with this group and it's why I think they're going to finish strong this season and, and be formidable in the
0: postseason. It does feel like there's some good juju. The Jacoby Myers touchdown reaction. That was all over. Awesome. Their, uh, even just a sidelines, Josh McDaniels literally jumping into the arms of people. Uh, you know, they rallied around that guy offensively and defensively. That was just awesome to see. I also think Bill's been a little bit more talkative and complimentary. I mean, he went on this like five minute dissertation on Adrian Phillips yesterday And I think when Bill is very talkative and very complimentary of guys on his team, it tells you that he likes them. And if you watch, you know, if you watch some of these games, the broadcast crews, you know, always bring up that Belichick, you know, I I think he likes this team. And, And Aikman was talking about that a lot on Thursday night saying, you get the feeling that Belichick likes this team. And, and I get the same feel. I, I think Bill does like this team. I think he likes the personality of this team. I think he looks at it and says, we've gone 5-0 and on the road. I think he likes the toughness mentally with this team. And I would also say that the belief in Mac, you know, it, it, it seems to be team-wide that Mac Jones kind of has these guys behind him. And that's not always easy to do as a rookie quarterback. Zach Wilson, there's reports about him, you know, fundamentally falling apart by Chris Mortensen over the weekend. Trevor Lawrence is having a very tough time down in Jacksonville. And we can go on and on about those rookie quarterbacks. Trey Lance can't even get a snap and a blowout. So, you know, when you're looking at the, the other rookie quarterbacks, the fact that Mac has been able to get these guys to kind of buy in. That means a lot. It's not everything like like, you know, Greg said, I don't think it's, you know, at the top of the heap of why this team's good inevitably you need talent you need scheme you need coaching etc but i do think this team has some good juju and it makes them fun to watch i think and i I think it allows fans to uh root for them just a little bit harder so uh, they've been a fun team to watch hopefully they continue to uh be that moving forward with this schedule coming up tennessee at buffalo bye week at indy buffalo jacksonville and at miami all right everybody have a great turkey day gobble gobble eat well be well uh, we'll see what happens on Sunday. Of course, we'll be back to break down that game and give you our thoughts. Till then, have a great long holiday weekend. He's Greg. I'm Nick. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cap.